Hi, and welcome to Casters of Valhalla. I am your host, uh, Orc Alfarmy One, also known as Mike Schober, and I wanted to give a brief overview of the show before um, we just dive right in. So, Casters of Valhalla is going to be a podcast focused specifically on Heroescape at the competitive level. Um, we're going to focus on various aspects of the game. And I want to give a brief disclaimer that this, the first couple episodes, um, they're all recorded in one night, about three hours of audio. I'm doing some brief editing and just separating it into some more manageable chunks. It's a little bit of a disaster. We should get better at this as time goes on, but just be warned and hopefully it, uh, hopefully it will be a little more structured in the future. Um, but thank you for listening, and hope you enjoy. Yeah, yeah, it's it's recording. We're not recording. Oh, we're recording now, but we'll just splice it. We're ready to start, and then we're like, you know. No, oh no, I'm not doing editing. This is in. We are in it, baby. All right, so welcome to the oh, Casters yeah. of Valhalla. I am your main host. Orca also known as Mike Schober, and I'm the one that's been trying to get this started up for the past, you know, what, maybe 15 months at this point, so that's why I'm the main host. Um, so, with me today, I have uh, a certain sloth who was infected by something we don't want to know what it is, uh, Mr. Nathan Ash. That's me. Hello. I was infected. I infected him. All right. We got... That's really? another major talking. Major Q23, yeah. And uh, then we have Cody, also known as Cleon as well, but he is currently out of the room. Um, where are our historic regions? Repping the Louisville? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm from Connecticut, of course. Nathan here. Chicago landmail, or Matt, or Dave. <laughs> <laughs> You're not even from Chicago anymore, man. You live in Birmingham. I'm I'm sure there's no Birmingham I'm a local Soviet player. Hey, Cody's outside. Uh, Cody, are you out, outside Boston? Me? Yeah, where are you? <laughs> uh, I'm in Pittsfield, Massachusetts, which is all the way western Mass. It's closer to Albany than uh, Boston. Cool. Away from Boston, Massachusetts, it's still like, what, like an hour? It's like three hours. hours. Yeah. Um, I went to school in Framingham, which is right outside of, uh, (laughs) it's weird seeing all you guys, uh, outside Boston. And everyone that I met there was like, I was like, where the hell's Pittsfield? Like, is is that, uh, they like didn't know where it was. It's kind of like, uh, it's almost New York, basically. But um, I don't know, Berkshire's. Cool. Uh, All right, so as you can tell, uh, we don't have a super strict plan here. We are just kind of figuring it out, which is the best way to do it. So, uh, yeah, so the point of this podcast and the whole point of what we're doing is to discuss HeroScape at the competitive level. Now, we aren't going to necessarily be discussing how to enjoy the game more. If you're anything like us, you'll enjoy it more when you get more competitive and as you improve. Now, um, 
side note that being competitive doesn't mean being an a-hole. Like, you can be competitive and still be a nice person. So that is extremely important to know. Don't be an a-hole to your opponents. The whole point of this is to have fun. Like, we go out to Gen Con every year to hang out with our friends more than anything. Um, we don't go, even though Nathan's shaking his head because, you know, Mr. Oh, I won the main event, so apparently I'm a big deal. Uh, yeah. You know. Even so, the point is to hang out and have a good time. So, um, but our topics will be focused more on like Heroescape at the competitive level. Um, and so we're going to talk about, you know, over various recording sessions, we're, we'll talk about a whole slew of topics ranging from units to army creation to maps uh, at a competitive level to, you know, how do you prepare for a tournament? How do you improve as a player? The whole point of this is to have we're trying to have a discussion where we are simultaneously learning from each other. And we hope that you guys also um, learn from it as well. Uh, it's not about us like preaching and being like, oh, look at us. We're the greatest ever because uh, first of all, none of us are even Nathan. And uh, yeah, so the whole point is to have a discussion. And also, we hope you guys engage with us on the forums, um, you know, on heroescapers.com, of course. So, uh, yeah. So our topic today, William, is... I'm not sure what our topic today is. I'd like to revisit the whole, um, the whole knights versus death chasers versus Romans. I mean, do we all agree that... In Dwarves, of- you mean? Knights are way higher. Um, or not knights, sorry. Uh, Romans, Death Chasers, and Dwarves. Yeah. I mean, do we all agree that the top three are um, heavies, knights, then probably green scales, and then the next three are probably uh, of what melee bonding? Yeah, melee so bonding. So I don't. So I don't really agree with putting like even including green scales in the argument. It's kind of like for me, it's kind of like you're putting rats in the argument for melee okay. squads, but. It's obviously knights and then heavies, right? Um, even I, though yeah. even though anybody that knows me knows I will play heavies way before I play knights. Those are in the same top tier. Yeah. Is it a drop-off down to green scales? Yes. I, a, a small drop-down. And I do think, I do think was, heavies are a, li- are a little worse than knights. I agree. The thing that's weird about green scales is they kind of... They're kind of like pseudo range in melee because yeah. their point is that they bond with a giant dragon. So half the time you're just you're just shooting with a dragon. So it doesn't yeah. really it doesn't really feel like the other melee um, armies. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I I kind of sometimes put them with melee and then I sometimes kind of exclude them. Um, Wait, like if you're running with Karos, maybe. But um, right, absolutely. But if it's like Nilfheim or a really powerful dragon that shoots, I I don't really think of them as within the melee realm as and much, I, at least. Yeah, and I think a good way to think of that is that you're not, when you take Nilfheim green skills, you're not taking the green skills to do damage. You know that Nilfheim is your main damage dealer. Yeah. Like, if Nilfheim goes down, you're screwed. The whole point of the green skills is they are extra lives for Nilfheim. That's the way to think about it, because they are preventing engagements, they're preventing attacks, they're tying up range units. It doesn't matter if they live that long, mm-hmm. but... The whole point is literally just, like... You have to keep Nilfheim going. Exactly, to make sure that Nilfheim doesn't die. Because guess what? When Nilfheim doesn't die, he kills a lot of things. Yeah. So table an army by himself when he's got the proper support. And there's not many units that can do that. Absolutely. 
So is uh so are green scales closer in like the conceptual range of like rats and glads? Absolutely. Because like those are like melee all melee uh, squads that like you don't necessarily think of in that way though. Right. It's part of a melee squad based army. I, I think they're kind of in between. I, I wouldn't really put them with the with the rats or the um, or the glads or even the phantom knights. Um, I would kind of well phantom knights don't really bond. Neither do rats. But um, I don't know. They're to me they're like pseudo. It's weird. It's hard right. to categorize them because they're. I feel yeah. like half the time it feels like bonding melee, and then half the time it feels like you're just using a dragon with a squad that bonds with them. Yeah, I think. Also, when you when you build uh, green scale armies, it kind of feels like you choose the dragon first. It doesn't really feel like I want to play green scales. You know, it more feels like I want to play this dragon. Do I add green scales? Oh, was that was that Matthew? Yeah. It's Matthew. <laughs> oh God. You guys in a call? Cool. Yeah, I mean, and I think for the just the glad's blast debate. Like or adding glads, like I never think about like the best melee figures. Where does glads go? Because glads and blasts are just the same entity in in my book. Yeah. More so than right. any other units. Yep. Here's another way of looking at it. Um, the melee squads, like like maps are kind of built nowadays, and for a while, probably ever since maybe like I don't know, maybe like 2009. Ever since oh, the ju- ever oh. since the jungle came out. Um. <laughs> all right so we have a heroscape celebrity in the house currently in the car we have mr matthew ash the worst main event champion how dare you <laughs> you're the best main event champ matthew. all right so your hero tell, tell us your heroscape thought your first one no can't do that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Cody, you were going off something half decent. Keep going. I have to get where it was. It was about the yeah. Uh, yeah, I was kind of saying, um, the map pool for maps. Basically, ever since the jungle set came out, uh, we as a community basically made the change to make competitive maps more friendly to melee armies. Yeah. And rats and uh glads never really were like a oh crap i can't play them because the map isn't catered to melee units you know what i mean yeah um so green scales kind of i don't know where that fits but all the other melee armies suffer from if you're playing on maps where it's you know range it's definitely range favored and it's you know pretty broken um then those melee armies are are a lot worse um and I think, honestly, we can probably just sum it up by saying it just depends on the dragon, right? The higher the range on the dragon, the more they function as a screen. So Zellerig, green scales, like Zellerig doesn't need to get close. He's just staying, like, super far back. Charos green scales, the other extreme where Charos and the green scales then, like, the green scales have to do work if Charos is going to, if you're going to run Charos as well. But yeah. with, like, Zellrig, with Nilfheim, because they have higher range, even with Braxis, it starts I think, to get, I think, I with think Braxis, with it starts getting to be a screen than it is for Zellrig. 
Because Zelrig kind of inherently want to go in there from the start and, like, bust things up faster, where, like, Nilfheim, you really have to... Right, but he does it from seven range. Like, he should never be closer than seven range to the, like, nearest figure, for the most part, other than, like, for a first-turn bomb. Like, he should never get engaged, really, until, <laughs> until like, he has no other choice. Um, And obviously, like, it's very similar with Nilfheim. But then, like, once you get to Braxis, Braxis, because she only has four range, and you want to gas it... Generally, you want to gas, like, a couple squaddies a turn. Like, the green scales do function a little more closely to a melee unit in that army than they do in a Nilfheim-based army. Um, And it's just so... Yeah, it's just based on the dragon. But I think the more interest... Like, beyond that, another interesting debate, of course, is... Well, so we got the top two, and then we got the green scales. And then who... Who's the best of the next three? So we got dwarves, Romans, and axe grinder, or not axe grinders, death chasers. And that's kind of the way I think about it. Honestly, if I had to pick strongest, weakest, it would be definitely dwarves, then Romans, then death chasers. But there's definitely arguments to be like to be made for all three. It's not as you know, it's not as easy as saying that knights and heavies are better than dwarves. Yeah, it's pretty weird. I, I kind of see, um, I mean, I posted this recently on Heroescapers, uh, this debate didn't really get that yeah. many responses, though, because the, I don't know. Uh, but um, I kind of can see, I kind of can see an argument for any order. I think it's really close. Um, I don't know. I know Ken thinks that the dwarves are, are more closer to the knights and the heavies than they are with the with the other two uh i disagree but ken's a madman for ken doesn't play the game ken plays like 10 games a year <laughs> that's it he's an amazing player yeah but he's amazing but, oh yeah he's amazing but that doesn't mean he knows what he's talking about when it comes to what's the best melee units and then what's like the next tier of melee units maybe he only not... played maybe he only plays melee at home and he, and he knows the all melee that's that's the secret <laughs> like that's the okay so there's a like i think there's a misconception among the community that like the top players are always playing because like doc always is playing right like he's plays in all these online events i like i've talked to ken about he so he plays at treetown open uh, and then he plays at Gen Con, and that's it. So he yeah. plays what? That's probably around 15 games, <clears throat> and that's it. He doesn't play. He doesn't do any prep. He literally like the way he builds armies is he texts me random stuff and then says, "How is this? What do you think of this?" And then if I disagree, he just like doesn't accept that I disagree. So it's not like he's he's more just like shooting me texts than anything. It's not like it's a conversation of, at all. Um, so, like, with Ken with the dwarves, it's just, like, he really likes the dwarves. And they are very good, but, like, they are not in – they are not close to knights or heavies good. He also um, was adamant about the uh, – Romans and – yeah. I remember back in the day he was adamant about the 10th being better than the 4th, and I just – Well, it's never, just because he plays – it's because yeah, he plays yeah. <laughs> I just – I've never seen it like that. I don't, I don't see how the 10th are better than the 4th. I think they're better if you're going into, like, if you're facing something like dwarves. Yeah. But against the overall field, they're not better. Yeah, I agree. Because Ken, I mean, Ken has lost more games to 10th than he has to 4th. Just, like, his matchup percentage against 4th is better than his matchup percentage against 10th, and that's why he thinks 10th are better. I think I'd go Roman's dwarfs death chasers. Really? I would I, go Romans too. I would go Romans towards Death Chasers. I think Romans played at their peak with like a really good, well played Romans game. 
basketball well player. Yeah, no, you made that point, and I and I uh, and I uh, and I agree with it. I didn't. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I think that was even a good way to put it, and I'm probably repeating pretty close to what you said. But like yeah. a really good game with Romans, you could like walk by a board and like look down at a Roman setup and be like, oh, that's insane. Like that's hard to break. Versus like, when you get, like dwarves don't have that as much. I feel like yeah. Death you have that more than Dwarfs, but I still feel like Dwarfs are just, like, better than Death Yeah, I think Romans hit a higher peak, but I think Dwarfs are more versatile. Like, you're made of an army, like, you're two squads of Dwarfs. Like, you couldn't, you can't really do that with, like, two squads of Romans. Like, you know, I feel like there's a wide, there's more wide range options to play Romans, but I think Romans hit their peak higher than any of those other two squads. Having a hero that boosts attack of squad figures is insane. That makes a, a unit like us like makes knights good. That's what or that's like a knight thing, a heavy thing, not a dwarf thing, not a death state thing. That's your sorry. Like yeah. Romans, Sacred Band. Um Yeah, I mean so I agree, but at the same time, dwarves just have such good early game development, right? They have, like, move, dwarves, they have movement and Romans don't. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. Romans get lit up by range. Like, even if you have the most unbreakable pod ever, it's not unbreakable once you whiff a couple defense rolls and you lose a couple key Romans. And then all of a sudden, you get lit up. Whereas with dwarves, you can forego bonding, which is, like, for example, first round of any, like, yeah. of most good players with, like, you know, three... Let's say you're even just running three squads in Mogram. We'll just yeah. stop there. At that point, your first round is I move four dwarves six spaces i move four dwarves six spaces and then i move four dwarves four and mogram five right and all of a sudden your whole army is up much farther than most armies get with you know the first yeah. eight dwarves are able to be up six spaces a piece which is insane yeah. and the, the, like with any like i play heavies obviously i play heavies a lot right and if i could do that with heavies it would like because so with Grimnak, there are tons of turns where I don't bond. I just straight up don't bond. I say, okay, Grimnak's not here to take damage. Grimnak's going to sit back and opportunistically chomp one figure a turn. And then, like, that's it, though. So if I could have some turns where I just, like, all my heavies move in extra space, that's insane. It's busted. Like, that early game development is so good. Yeah, it is. I think the biggest thing about dwarves is just the three defense. Like... Death Chasers and Romans, obviously, you know, they just have, they, um, Raylan fits in their army more easily than with, um, dwarves, and they fit in with their playstyle more, yeah. and just, three defenses can be brutal, and then base three attack, like, Death Chasers have the four attack die, and then Romans have Marcus Decimus Gallus, who's just, I think, right. a better, he's a better bonding hero than... Yeah, range fits into like Nathan's like like Nathan says Romans and Death Chaser armies better, and range fits into both of those better than it does uh, uh, dwarfs because you know they work so. And I think I don't think you you can like you can even throw like other range in there with Romans. People throw like Keeman and Krav in there with Roman armies for a decade. Wait, did did we? uh, Are we? Have we started or are we waiting for Matthew? To get uh, home. Yeah. Oh no, we're yeah, we're 20 we're minutes started. in. Oh, we should probably. <laughs> did we introduce ourselves? I don't remember yes, that. You were getting, you were going to get water. Oh, yeah. was I? Oh was well, it? I'm uh, I'm Cleon, probably the best person to ever touch the dice. So you know. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I mean, so 
I mean, I, Berkshire, I think the thing is, though, it's almost an argument for me, Berks are more than for Romans or Death Chasers, right? I'm fine because like me Burks is absolutely busted. Like me Burks should not cost 50 points. Me yeah, Burks is like oh. yeah. Different are, you know, different figures stock is in my mind. This Shincon was a big me Burks year for me. Me Burks is ridiculous. Veggie uh, in top eight, just like me Burks and me. He has eight move and six range, which means that he can basically get and attack anything. Yeah, me yeah. Burks can almost be a bread and butter. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. I, I like. But not by himself. One attack per turn's not good enough. But well, he, when he's bonding, absolutely. Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah. So that's my problem though with, with like the Roman argument for Marcus, right? Is because if you're spending a bunch of turns getting Marcus up just to use his attack boost, those aren't those are turns you're not using me Berksa. That's I think the biggest like downfall of that argument is it. So that army takes so long to set up if you want to get Marcus's attack boost off and you're maintaining shield wall because you have to, of course. And you want to be taking attacks with me, Berksa. It's just like you don't have enough time to do everything you want to do. And then you're not doing one of the two things you should be doing, which is either boosting your attack or getting shots with me, Berksa. Because, like, a smart player is not just going to let you keep, like, Marcus just, like, I'm not, like, a good player is not going to let you just keep Marcus in one place and have him eternally boost your Romans there. They're going to shift the battle away from that because they want you to, like, if, so... If I'm playing against Romans, I'm saying, okay, I'm not going to let you just stick Marcus here, and then I'll just keep, like, attacking into it. Instead, I'm going to make try to make it so that if you want to use Marcus's attack bonus, you have to move and use him, in which case you're not using me, Burks. And now, a lot of times, that's fine, but there are definitely situations where you're making a conscious decision not to shoot at a better target than what you're swinging at with Marcus. Yeah. That's, that's, that's like- a trade-off. And so, like, Mogram just walks up and just tanks damage. Like, Mogram doesn't die. Yeah. Like, he dies to special attacks, of course, but against a normal attack, he just shrugs it off. And he's got four attack. He's got the Commander Strike, which is insanely useful. Like, if sometimes, like, you can just clear off a pathway, and then all of a sudden you're, you break through the line of whatever. Um, yeah. And then you have the, you know, you have the fearless advantage of the dwarves, which is... Yeah actually really useful a lot of the time like there are so many people play a lot of large and huge figures yeah well it's also because their hero has tough and you know tough is uh and like special attackers are oftentimes large and huge yeah yeah so they exactly they make up for his weakness a lot of the time now obviously you can hit what i hit which is cayman and then you're just really sad because cayman is not fun Besides Keeman, what, like, elite-level special attackers are there that are not, like, large or huge? There's not many. Exactly. Exactly. There are many. Dragons and the Majors. Yep. Yeah. And then, after Keeman, what actually is the next, like, threatening, uh, like, special attack or range? You have, like, like, Altahale and stuff, but that's, you know. She's melee, though. That's what I'm saying. I'm trying to think of what is. We should know this from the top of our head. Uh, Mariko. Mariko's very good. (laughs) (laughs) She's so bad. I told you. I told you guys. I played. uh, I played Gurioni somewhat recently. And I forgot how terrible that figure is. It's really. It's really bad. It's not good at all. (laughs) So I'm looking, and there's nobody in the A's. 
Heirloom is the next. Heirloom at air at a at B plus twenty years. Heirloom really good. But that's just you know he's he's you just spread out. Or no, not like doesn't matter because it's yeah. I mean heirloom's not bad against that army, but it's not like red and black wormlings. Right. Yeah, but even then, like, they're only getting two attacks a turn, and then you have dwarves still. It's not like it's just Mogram against the world. And, if oh. I, like, you can just ignore Mogram and just use six-move dwarves and just roll them. Yeah. I think one of the things we haven't talked about makes dwarves so good is they have not six attack. They have six offensive um, potential kills per order marker with yep. four Mogram. attacks plus attack plus Mogram. Right. And well, Romans have Mogram too. They do, but yeah. you don't really, you can't really afford him most of the time. I don't feel like, right? Is you'd rather have me Burks and like Marcus at least to start. Yeah. That's the biggest problem. Yeah. Yeah, he does. But like Gordon's army though this year in main event, and he had he had uh it he was uh two two Romans, Nigaxa, me Burksa, Mogram. Uh, and then, I love Nigaxa. So yeah. good. Mark who? Yeah, I like There's that like, army. That's not in the like, you know, Roman yeah. army just like Vinag Warlord bonds with Roman, but like, who cares? Like nobody takes her. Like Volgar, nobody takes her. Arminio bonds also. Like they have so many that they don't. That's a lot. I played Venic Warlord into you, William. Right? When? When we played the game. Um, yeah, Elswin Plateau. What did I have? What I win with? You lost, I think. Dang it. <laughs> I think you, you had uh, you had cutters and Kamenawa, I think. I don't horns called brutes and goblin cutters. Oh, I was like a sick army, and you you beat me with a decent army. That's so fun. Still, dude, I got I got Romans bonding with Benic Warlord. Grabbed the glyph early. That's I do. Yeah, oh no, you played well. You played well. Like, yeah, you ran up and out roller right away and just hopped on the glyph. And I was like, well, I can't get you off of move glyph now, at least for a long time. And I would just be having to sink like turns into attacking the out warlord. Perfectly. Yeah, yeah, I played, you played, I played well. perfectly. <laughs> like, like moves in, you're you, like, you're like, I think my opponent just like made a really good call, and I'm gonna have a really hard game in front of me. Yeah, I mean, glyph sitting. You don't yeah. just. I just didn't anticipate that. Yeah, and that snake doesn't die. Yeah. Six life. Six life. <laughs> just why do you have six life? Yeah. Other heroes can just look around, like see see like Minoc Warlord, and like why do you have six life? Like. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's early HeroScape. They were still thinking yeah. about. Yeah. When. Yeah. Yeah. I always so- talk about like the um. The master set, how many concepts that they put into that master set that they never reused because they realized that it's just not good game design. Like I mean, the drop? The drop is awful. Yeah, Marvel Warriors are busted. <laughs> oh, God. Broken. Marvel Warriors are so Warriors good. Busted. Although I do like that they included stealth dodge as a trap for Skahan for people to say, I think, you know, you use her against range. I do like that they included that as a trap. Wait, what? Yeah, Skyhan was a master set. Were you talking like I'm? 
No, no, but they reuse stealth design, which I think is or stealth dodge, which I actually think is bad design. But they put it on a figure where it doesn't make sense to try to use it. Yeah, because you if you whiff, then you die if it's like Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So Yeah. But like no, I mean it's not the worst design power, obviously. And then so I I heard a lot of people complain about Chomp. Yeah, Chomp's yeah, Chomp's really an auto kill. So, but here's my thing about Chomp, okay? Is that, so, Knights are already better than Heavies, and if you get rid of the auto-kill aspect of Chomp, Heavies fall out of the A tier. You are correct, but you're also comparing, like, the only thing, you're comparing the Heavies just, like, to Knights. And Knights are already just, like, insanely good. Like, in the grand scheme of things, Knights don't feel as, like, busted, because they don't have, like, an individual thing that, like, like, it's so frustrating, maybe? But, um... Yeah, but like the grand theme of like the range of Fearscape units, Chomp's like pretty insane. Right, but again, without that though, like Heavy Gruts just aren't a contender for like you couldn't bring Heavy Gruts to a double blind event. Like you just wouldn't be feasible. You just you could you could roll for it, and maybe it's like a you know higher like, higher guarantee like only well, like a five or like higher, a, but sometimes yeah, it doesn't work. Level or for hold on. I mean. I think if we're talking about that, like, oh, if we take away Chomp, Heavy's on the elite level, I think the problem is not, like, if you take away they're not the elite level, I think it's just the way that the elite level was designed. Like, the elite level is, like, six-fourth mass, and that's just... Yeah, like, uh, right. So is the flowchart can build them. Like, the top level should be could have been massively redesigned yep. to make it more um, yeah. skilled to play some of the top tier on Yeah. Matthew, you're you're muted. <laughs> yeah, I've been drawing it. Has he been muted? Have you been? No. So for for me, I always think. Um, I usually put Death Chasers last um, in the. Yeah debate uh because they're a three squad um that's kind of the main reason but i feel like i like them more than romans which is funny <laughs> like i think romans are probably better but i think i like the death chasers more because I, I i just love that they have four attack um is huge and yep. i feel like i don't know I, I feel like romans sometimes struggle to to like develop almost it's it's something with movement you know it's like they have to they have to clump together and without marcus they only have four move now most of the time you play him with marcus so it's not usually not an issue but if marcus dies then they do go down to four move Um, even even with marcus they're five move but they're still restricted in their movement because of their nature to move defensively yeah so they're they're a little bit map dependent um and I, I don't know. I, I kind of just see those two flaws in in those two armies, and then with the dwarves, I don't really see much of a much of a downside. But maybe their downside is that they they don't have Mebersa. And um, yep. c- compared to the other two, 
Right. And that in the three defense, of course, right? Like, so I'm not trying to make it like where dwarves are way better than Romans. Obviously, I think dwarves are a bit better than Romans. I think Romans are a little bit better than Death Chasers, but I think they're all really close enough to where it doesn't, like, if you think one is better than the other, like, whatever, it doesn't super matter. They're all in that A minus tier. They're all very good. Um, but they all obviously have some downsides. Like, with Romans, it's easy to think that they're super amazing because the four defense and the shield wall and, you know, take Raylan with them to make them six defense. You got me Burks. So, but then you realize early game range also kind of just wrecks them. Like, a good range unit early on can just yeah. kind of destroy them. And if they have Zellrig, it's game over. So, yeah. Um, so it's just like they all – and I think that's what makes them interesting units, though, all three of them, is that the fact that all of them have counterplay, all of them have weaknesses. Whereas, like, with heavies and knights, there aren't really any – like, there's not really a major weakness in either of those two armies. And I think that's what makes, like, A-minus level heroescape so much more interesting and engaging. It's like, it's like when I play, like, A-level heroescape, I'm waiting for my opponent to make a mistake it's or I'm going to make a mistake and then once that happens okay that's it there's not but it's not like even necessarily big mistakes like I can play heavies into fourth mass correctly and sometimes they'll just destroy me because weight and fire so and then sometimes they'll play it poorly and then I win but like it it's it doesn't feel that engaging like it feels heroescape at the a minus the b plus level is just so much more engaging and that's why we all I think all of us like reverse the whip format and that level, those style of armies, so much more than we do just the like four by four level of armies, right? Yeah. Yeah. Freedom of idea. You can actually like find an idea and like express it in your army and in your like play like easier. I feel like yeah, like when you're just playing high level army, you're just like executing the things that are good. And they're known quantities, too. Like, the A-level, it's no mystery that Q9 is really good. It's no mystery that Heavy Gruts are really good. It's not like you're, like, you're, you're not innovative. You're not, you're, you just kind of feel like you're doing the reps and you're doing the, like, the obvious correct choices most of the time. It just doesn't, it's not engaging. I agree it's not as engaging. Less the meta at the top is not as robust as the meta a little below because the units are having weaknesses and you have to fill you have to make armies to like cover the units weaknesses so the units are interacting with each other in interesting ways within your army even though there's not necessarily direct synergy and i think that's a trap that a lot of heroescape the you know genesis of competitive um scape went into that it was a focus on just direct synergy and not synergy of concepts. Yep. With the army. I agree. Yeah. Oh, one 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 more thing about the uh, the dwarf death chaser uh, Roman thing is I feel like the dwarves are way more splashable than the other two, uh, just in general with armies. Like you never really splash some Romans or splash some. You definitely don't splash some death chasers, basically. Yep. But with dwarves, you can splash them all day. So as far as like ranking them, it's already like that's already a little bit harder to to account for. Yeah, I I love the two squads of dwarves. I love that 140 yeah, points, yeah. and you like it's a versatile 140 points though. So, so versatile. That that's another reason why I think I I always have them higher in my mind because I I just think that they're 
they're good as a melee army, and they're good as just a couple squads to splash. Yeah, I mean, William, how many times have you ran two dwarves in the main event? What's up? How many times have you ran two dwarves in the main event? You've done it more than once, right? No, just, just... Twice. I think twice. Okay. I think twice. I've run three dwarves twice. I've run dwarves four of my, like, seven main events. Really? No. You're, uh, you, you've, you've had probably the highest experience of anybody with, like, low squads of dwarves and how they play, and they seem to perform well makes, for you. It makes an army less gimpable. Like, you, they're, they always can provide an answer to any option that someone else chooses. Yeah. Like, you, when, when you go down thought, thought lines, you're like, if they do this, then I do this. If they do this, then I do this. If they do this, then I do this. Even if the what you think that your opponent may choose is a wide range of options and you're not sure which one you have to prepare for, having just, like, dwarfs to, like, throw it or, like, order markers invested in dwarfs and, like, the movement and positioning of dwarfs, I feel like, can cover a wide can catch a wide range of those. Yeah. So, like, it allows you to, like, not get, like, hard call, like, have, like, poor interactions with order markers, I feel like. And I, I also don't really feel that they have many, just like if you have two squads of dwarves, right? They have, so you have the fearless advantage to deal with big stuff. You have the six move to deal with range. You have still three attack to deal with melee. Like you, you're not necessarily amazing against the range or the melee sides of things, but you're still like, you're certainly playable against them. You're just, you don't find yourself in a position like, man, I'm screwed. I don't have a chance because of what I brought. Like with two dwarves, it's like, I, I will face whatever I face with them. And I'm probably at least mostly okay with it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I just think there's less, there's less units that can answer like a dragon and stuff, especially at the reverse the width level. Yep. Because you know you can just run into like a nilfine and just they table you and yep. they just. Well, William said you can't really get gimped. You can't really get just cheesed by a Q9 or something. Right. It also feels kind of like a bonus for dwarves. Like it to me, it never feels like if I if I build a dwarf army, I never feel like oh, man, like, I, I really need to face big stuff. It more feels like, here's my army, it's solid, and then if I run into big stuff, it's like, oh, great, it's going to be, you know... Even yeah, better. It's, it's going to be so, really good. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Here's a claim. Frost Giant is better than Q10. <laughs> 100%. Not that one. I don't believe it. I'm almost there. I had to say it. I had tried to. Frost Giant's almost better than Q10. No, Q10 double down. Frost Giant. I can't double down. I was thinking about it today. I was like, if I have to like make this call tonight and sit and tell this to the world, do I really? And I was like, no. Frost Giant's almost better than Q10, and I can live with that. Okay, so the way arguments work is that if you have the contesting opinion, you have to justify your opinion. Let's hear it. Why is Frost Giant better than Q10? Because <laughs> this is a really interesting topic. I really want to hear your thoughts on this. He's not better. He's almost better. Um, Why is he almost better? Okay. Why is he basically within the... So would you... Okay. Ten let's points talk cheaper. About... Uh, he's ten points cheaper. Yeah. Frost Giant is so good. <laughs> um, 
Frost Giant executes a really like. Uh, see you, Cody. I don't know where you went. Oh wait, no. That was Matthew. Like he keeps, he keeps leaving and rejoining. It's fine. Yeah, just. I'm still here. Yeah. Frost. I I don't know how to. Frost Giant. Um. Like, is really good at what he does. Q10 doesn't necessarily have a really good thing at what he does. A lot of like. He's really good at being good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's good at being good. He's also, I feel like he he is the illusion of being like strong and defensive. And, like will die fast. Like I've been disappointed by Q10 more times than I've been disappointed by any other unit. Um, and then um, Frost Giant can like destroy a part of another person's army. Like you can decide to like in, almost invalidate a part of part of someone else's army. Feels like. I don't love my arguments because I like I said, almost. I mean, my uh, my my cousin John, shout out to him. Not that he'll ever listen to this. Uh, <laughs> As is correct. <laughs> he uh, he loves uh, he loves the Frost Giant. That's one of his favorite units. So like whenever I play him, he always plays it. And I didn't really have that much experience uh, against the Frost Giant. There's a, there's a lot of D and D units that I. I don't know. I just, I guess, haven't played enough against. I, they, I kind of just passed over them a little bit. Not, I think most of them at this point. I definitely know, definitely. But, um, but the Frost Giant, I like, didn't really, didn't really know. Uh, and then he played it, and I kind of was like, all right, you know, it's like okay unit. And then, you know, I've played them a bunch of times, and it's like, all right, that's, you know, that's actually a pretty good unit. And then now it's like, yeah, that's that's a good unit. Yep. <laughs> Frost yeah. Giant's pretty good. I mean, I'll make my big claim about Giant almost as good as Ten, but I think the Frost Giant is arguably the best design unit in Heroescape. Mm. From yeah. a, not from a balance perspective per se, but from just a conceptually and what he does in the meta. I, I think he was Jandar. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He should have been Jandar. That 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 uh, I can't swear on this, can I? Um, that made me very mad that he was Utgar <laughs> when he came out. Why would he be Jandar? Because he's freaking Jandar symbol. <laughs> nice. Oh wow, he is. He like he he to me he like is well, the most Jandar looking unit, and he just is Utgar, and it's like Utgar doesn't need any more units. <laughs> yes, they do. Stop <laughs> this fake news. No, so I mean. The problem with Frost Giant, though, is the one attack per turn, unless you get the Battle Frenzy, but I don't like counting on that. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It, they're First of all, they're just such... Like, they're so different in how they work, of course. And I do agree that Frost Giant's really good at what he does. I also don't necessarily agree that he's amazing at what he does, though, when Elta Hill also exists for the same cost. I think that's my biggest problem with him. Um, and I do think Cayman is better than Q10, like, for sure. But... Um, I still think Q10 is a grade above Frost Giant. I don't yeah. think he's that much higher. I think Q10's like a mid to weak A minus, and yeah. Frost Giant's probably like a mid B plus, mid maybe mid to high. Yeah. I don't know. And I haven't looked at the rankings honestly in forever. But you think uh, you think Cayman's better than Q10? I do. I think the fact that he is a single based figure. Um, the fact that he has Counter-Strike, which isn't, like, 
it's not always relevant, but when it is relevant, it's really relevant. Um, and I, I just, I think he's just so much more mobile. He's easier to keep on un, like unengaged. I think. I, I found that um, you were saying this earlier, William, that there's a lot of times when it feels like Q10 like dropped the ball, basically. Were you say, saying something like that? Yeah. No, I think he's like, there's there's a lot of times where it feels like man why did why did you die earlier than I thought um I used to feel that way about Q10 but I kind of was playing him very offensively but now I kind of play him a lot more defensively and I and I feel like um I used to think Cayman was better than him as well but um ever since I started playing him defensively or or more conservatively I I like him better but um both are both it's only four lives. You just have to limit the number of times he can get attacked. Yeah. Yeah. With like life, you have to limit the number of times that you actually have to roll dice. Because like you whiff with five defense dice, like whiffing with five defense dice is a reality that happens. It sucks. But like randomly, you're like, oh my, Q10's doing fine. Oh, now it has two like two wounds. Now it has like another wound, and now it's like almost dead. I don't know. 